Right, sorry. Glasses on. If the glasses on, I can't really see you. You're all blurry. Sorry. Uh, so it'll be like on, off, on, off. A bit like this. And I have just realised that I've not got my Bible purse ready. Two ticks. Amen. Have you all got Bibles on your phone? Or Bible, like real paper Bibles or something? <laughs> Okay. So, okay, so we're, we're going to look at the, uh, the story of the rich young ruler. Well, some say it's young, he's rich, we know he's rich, we know a few things about him. Okay, so this is what we're going to look at. But as we look at it, our, like, um, I want our main focus really to be is look at what Jesus is doing. Look at, Je- at Jesus' <laughs> face and ask him questions you know what's going on what is he thinking what is he feeling what is he saying between the lines and what's really going on and and i just want to if you just indulge me on this we're just going to pause at various points and we're going to ask him we're going to ask him questions and we're going to look in his face and we're going to ask him questions what does that mean for us Amen. okay because this is like this everyone knows this story like if you went to Sunday school it's like one of the you know things that you draw pictures and the rich person and bags of money and all of this sort of stuff but there's so much like having spent time just going over this and just pausing because sometimes we just get so busy don't we we can read and we know God and it's just like and our minds are just racing at a million miles an hour but when we stop and when we pause we can get a moment where we can just like look at Jesus's face and it's like what are you saying to me what is it that you want Mm. and have this connection with jesus and this connection with jesus first and foremost above everything else right okay so i'll just read i'll read this is going to be rapid reading for the story because you know it right (laughs) a certain ruler asked him good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good jesus answered no one is good except god alone you know the commandments you shall uh, not commit adultery you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your mother and father. All of these I've kept as a boy since a boy, he said. <laughs> when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became really sad because he was really um, wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then Peter said to him, we've left everything, uh, so we've left all and we've uh, to follow you. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life okay so a bit about background so we know this guy this chap he was probably some sort of local leader in or ruler in the local synagogue and we know that he was absolutely minted (laughs) maybe he had a wealthy family maybe he had a successful side hustle um maybe he just got paid really well in his job but whatever he was minted 
And if what he said was true, he obtained his wealth by honest means because we know that he kept commandments, five to nine, didn't commit adultery, so no sleeping around, didn't kill anyone, he didn't steal, he didn't lie, and he honoured his mum and dad. So, on a little bit of a side note, I wanted to show this picture this morning, but I'm really not good with tech, and I didn't know. On social media, it's hilarious. I follow Bear Grylls, and Bear Grylls put this photo up of, like, what Jesus would be like. You know, like one of those computer... Um, picture type things they make it it's not like a cartoon but it make it makes it look real anyway so it was like this situation it was like jesus having the um, the last supper or you know meal with all the disciples <laughs> and he's taking a selfie of himself and you've got this picture of jesus like looking in the camera like that and then you know like some people just take bad photos like it's just whatever they look like they just look really terrible and then you've got some of the disciples like this <laughs> and it's like and that just really tickled me and gave me a moment of, like, if Jesus had, if mobile phones were around in Jesus' time, don't you think they would have had a bit of fun? Just <laughs> the disciples, like, Jesus and the disciples. <laughs> and uh, so he is, he's real. He's Amen. a real character. He's a real person, isn't he? He's a real relatable person that Amen. we have a relationship. He's a real relatable person that wants to have a relationship with us. All right, so a little bit of background on Jesus, right? When we read the Bible, when we put on, so we, we have our own interpretation, don't we? When we read these scriptures, we put on lenses. So what lenses do we put on when we read interactions that Jesus had? Sometimes, if we're really honest, we can have like a natural bias to think the worst. Like Jesus might be a bit disappointed. He might have been a bit cross with this guy. It's like, oh, you're so rich. You're so stinking rich. It's like, and you, you, you can't even give it up and follow me. Or whatever, he might have been cross, he might have been irritated, short fused, fearful that he would call you out or ask you to do something that you don't really want to do. Right? Sometimes that's what we can hear in that, even in his tone of voice when he speaks, when we read it. Okay. But we know that Jesus is loving and kind and patient, but sometimes we hear a different tone in the voice and it sort of can conflict. Okay, so sometimes we can know a truth for everybody else. But we have a different truth for ourselves. So sometimes when we internally hear that sharpness voice of Jesus, because we make so many mistakes, we mess up, we don't do the things that we should do, or we're not generous enough, or we're not thoughtful, we've messed up, we've been unkind, and blah, 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 unforgiving, and all that, and all the thoughts that we, uh, thoughts that we can list off about ourselves. Okay, so do you know what I mean when I say that wah, 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 wah voice in your head? Or is that just me? Do you ever have that? Nagging, 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 like a negative little voice. Okay. Or is our first thought that Jesus wants the best for us? He, wants, he wanted the best for that chap, for that rich young ruler. He wanted the best for him. And he won't give up. Um, he's pleased with his inquiry. So this is what I'm, I'm liking to think over this guy. So he's pleased with this guy's inquiry, that the man sought him out, and that he was brave enough to ask him an important question publicly, putting his neck out on the line, if his colleagues got hold of it, uh, what he was saying, they might ridicule him, they might give him a hard time. But Jesus was absolutely chuffed that this man came to find him and have a conversation with him, start a conversation with him. Pretty sure that just wasn't it. So even though the man went away sad and didn't get what he wanted, you know, stuff happened. There's nothing that's wasted with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. So it's not fizzy and it's just water. Last time I think I had sparkling water. So, just to say, be aware of those thoughts that we have when we read stuff and think, 
no, I'm okay on this. I've, I've, I've got it. I don't do this. I don't struggle here. Uh, I totally believe God about this. This is true, I know. But then God can break in in a moment and say, oh, yeah? Is that so? Well, why do you get anxious then? Why do you worry about X, Y, Z? Why do you get stressed in this such and such circumstance? Why do you lose sleep at night then? Okay, so we, on the surface, we can think one thing, but I just really want us to sort of dig deep. Okay? And this is not Jesus having a pop at us. It's him questioning us to think and look more deeply because there's always another level that we can go to. There's another level of connection. There's another level of trust. There's another level. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you for our hearts to be opened. Speak to us. What is there that you want to say in this? So just, just pause, just look on the face of Jesus right now. And what is he wanting to say to us? What is he wanting to, us to grow in? You know? And then I just trust that as we go through a little bit more of this, that he's going to speak. So we put on the lenses of love and ask what was Jesus' intention and what result did Jesus want with this conversation with this chap? So initially... He wants connection with the rich ruler. He wants friendship. He wants relationship. He wants to enjoy him. And he wants the young man to enjoy Jesus. Okay? And would he have left it just there? I mean, obviously, that's the end of the story that we see in the Bible. But do you think Jesus would have just like, yep, yeah, off you go, bye, see you later, lost out there? Wouldn't have been the end of it, would it? And, you know, Holy Spirit came and Jesus pursues us. Hallelujah. Jesus gives us chance after chance. So... I like to believe all sorts of things, wonderful things that happened to that young man. Okay? It's the only bit of the story that we know. So when the young man asked the question, what must I do to have eternal life? Why did Jesus seem to imply that there was something that the young man could do to obtain it? With like a list of to-dos. Like he said, obey the, you know, obey the commandments. You don't murder, don't adult, commit adultery, honour your mother, dad, all of that sort of stuff that we read. Okay, so why did he why did he seem to imply that there's something that he could have done? Because we know that there's nothing that we can do to receive eternal life. And obviously Jesus knew that too. So why did he say it to him? Okay, maybe he was pointing something out. The young man clearly thought that eternal life was something that he could get on his own. So and something that he could achieve by himself by being good. So some of the commentaries I looked at, they said that, that Jesus said that by telling him to keep the commandments, Jesus was not saying that he can't be saved by obeying them, but he was more like emphasising how perfect God's law is and the standard. And if he could keep them, then that's a very big if. And thank goodness Jesus didn't reply to him of like when he said, oh, I've done all these since I was a boy. Like Jesus like, could have said, oh, have you now? Really? Is that so? Or, you know, thank goodness he didn't turn around and say, ha ha, tricked you, now you've just told a big fat lie. No one's perfect, are they? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have committed all of those 100% without fault. So remembering what Jesus is like, okay? Don't think he would have been asking him a trick question or trying to shame him when he says, I've kept all those commands, what else do I need to do? And obviously Jesus knowing you're not perfect, there's no way that you would have been able to commit all of the keep all of those. Right, so remember Jesus would have seen what was in this man's heart as well. Amen. Before he'd even opened his mouth to speak. Amen. What else do I need to do? <laughs> so I wonder if this was Jesus' way to acknowledge the attempts in this man's heart to please him and do what's right before he then goes on to subtly point out the other commandments like 
no idols and don't cover, i.e. in follow me and give up your wealth. So in Mark's version of the story, after the young man says, I've obeyed all these commandments since a boy, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. So it's like, Jesus knew, you know, it's like, yeah, that's not kind of really true, you're not, you're not perfect. But he looked at him and he loved him. And he does that with us. Right now, he is looking at us and he is loving us. Wherever we are, whatever position we are in our walk with him, in our trust in him, in our growth in him, in our understanding of him, the things that, you know, we can walk in obedience and the stuff that we find hard, wherever we are, whatever point on that road, he is looking at us and loving us. He's looking at you and he is loving you. You know, let's just, let's just thank him for that. Just pause and let's just look at his face. Jesus, I thank you so much that where I am, where we are right now, you're looking at us and you are loving us. Even with the bits that we get wrong, even the bits that we're not good at, even in our attempts that might sometimes be a bit pathetic. Thank you that you are looking at us and loving us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will ground that truth in our hearts, that it would change how we think, how we perceive things and how we react in life, knowing that you are looking at us and you are loving us and we are accepted. So, anyway, I've lost my point now. <clears throat> right, so then he says to him, you still lack one thing, but then tells him to go and do something. So it's like, you're lacking one thing, go and do something. And it's go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. So it's come and follow me, he says. So I've often thought what it would have been like. Okay, so you know when Jesus finds his disciples on the beach and he finds, actually I'm going to read it. Right, so as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. And when he'd gone a little bit further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So it's like, okay, how many times... <laughs> But Jesus communicates to us without words sometimes, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. Right, have you ever had one of those moments where God is revealing oh. stuff to you, but he's, yeah, he's not saying a word, not saying a single word, but you know he's speaking somewhere really deep down Amen. in the core of your being, and he's just communicating. And have you ever, I hope you have. <laughs> I pray that you do if yes, you haven't. It's, am, you know, it's amazing. But what must have been going on with Jesus and the disciples when he said, right, Leave your job and come follow me. And they kind of say, sure, okay. It's like, who does that? Amen. It's like so, so, something else must be going on, right? Amen. You don't just leave everything like that. They'd never met him before. They didn't know if he was a complete nut job, okay? Because they, there was something that went on and they trusted him. 
there wasn't a debate, shall we, shan't we, what do we do, do a spreadsheet, pros and cons and all of this sort of stuff. There was no debate, they just said, yeah, okay, let's do it. So what did Jesus say? What did Jesus communicate? What, did it, what was it like to be face to face? Imagine if that's you, Jesus walks up to you and he says, right, leave it all and come follow me. I mean, give up everything and come follow me. Well, he does do that, doesn't he? That's, you know, that's how our connection with Jesus, you know, when we get saved, he wants us to come and do that. Um, okay. Right. So what was the difference? Okay, same question. Come or command, whatever you may want to look at. What was the difference between them and the rich young ruler? Why didn't he say, sure, okay, I'll do it, like the disciples did? So there was something different. Why did the young man go away sad? Because he had great wealth. I mean, when have you ever heard anybody say, I am so sad because I'm so rich. Um, woe is me, I'm so wealthy. It's like, you, you just don't do that. I'm pretty sure it wasn't because he had shed loads of money. Like, that just doesn't happen. So was it because Jesus asked to give it up, obviously, and was Jesus pointing out here, by the way, it's not bad to, to be wealthy or even have great wealth or be stinking rich. It's really not bad. After all, like God made Solomon really, really stinking rich, didn't he? So it's not bad, and it pleased God for Solomon to be really rich. Okay, so why would giving up wealth make this man sad? Okay, so... Was it because he wasn't able to be, he knew he wouldn't be able to enjoy the lifestyle, the things that he had anymore? Would it be that his life would change, who he hangs around with, like his community? So if you haven't got money, think of rich people today and the things that they do, the parties, the events that they go to. If you haven't got that money, you can't do those sort of things. So his, his life would really change. Uh, was it that he realised inside that he treasured his wealth more than God and made being wealthy having a wealthy lifestyle, an idol, maybe. And did he ever give up that wealth and eventually follow Jesus after pondering and wrestling with it? I don't know, I'm sure there were many conversations that he had with Jesus after that moment. You know, the Holy Spirit wrestling, you know, who knows the, the time scale. Okay, we don't know anymore. But whether he did or he didn't, Jesus said it was really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they gave that example of the paddle going through the needle which if you actually think about it, it's just like, that's so stupid. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sure that must have raised a giggle at the time. I, I probably, if I was a disciple, I would have been the one that laughed at that. Okay, so why? Why is it hard? So you know that verse that's often in Timothy, often misquoted, money is the root of all evil. But Tim says, for the love of money. Amen. Oh, this is from the Good News Bible, right? I like Amen. this version. For the love of money is a source of all kinds Amen. of evil. Some have been so eager to have it that they have wandered away from the faith and have broken their hearts Amen. with many sorrows, like trying to get it. So if you've got money, on the one hand, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's good to have money because we've done the declaration about us having wealth. And, you know, we talk about like investments and you know, handing stuff down to our children and being generous and being the answer to prayers of others and stuff like that. So it's not bad at all to have money. But if you love it, Amen. or if you begin to love it or crave it, then there's trouble ahead. Amen. So why is money a bit of an issue? So, you know, we've watched films about people that are rich and, you know, and how horrible they can be, all those typical stories of, like, they're mean and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so often people that have a lot of money 
And there's so many, you just need to read the news, don't you? Or, you know, what was his name? The guy who just, like, the tax, he had to pay a couple of million on his tax because he had it in offshore accounts. What was his name? Too many of them. Who? <laughs> 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 <Probably> <laughs> most of them. <laughs> um, so he was, yeah, he's, he, he made the gov. Um, website and his parents, are you Googling it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, so people go to great lengths to get money and to keep it. So he had stuff in offshore accounts, okay? Is it the power and the prestige that comes with it? It's like you only need to look at things like, sorry if anybody's into him, but I'm not, Andrew Tate, you know, and his money and his wealth and his power and his cars and his women and blah, 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 and he's like, and he's this powerful, influential person. You know, is it the perceived, excuse me, is it the perceived freedom that comes from having money? Like sometimes if we think, if we just got a bit more money, you know, we can go on holiday or we can do this and I don't need to worry about that and, and things. So we, it, it feels like there's freedom that comes in. And to a certain degree, there is. It's like, you know, it'd be nice to go to the supermarket, put everything through and not have to worry hey, about... Yeah. You know, is, are you going over budget? Have you got enough? Is it going to be embarrassing because your card's going to get declined and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> Although, like, money can be like a drug. The more you have, the more you want. If you're not careful. You know the keeping up with the Joneses saying? You know, it's like, such and such has got this really car and it's like, they work really hard, but I work really hard too. Why can't I have that car? And, you know, all of that. But <laughs> having money brings independence, doesn't it? So if you don't have money, don't have to be dependent on anyone, and you're in control. Yeah. Okay, so the element of control that comes with it is that you don't have to be no one's slave if you've got money. This is what, you know, is often think, this is what the world thinks, and this is what sometimes can be really tempted for us, even as Christians, to think, you know, you don't have to have anyone boss you around. If you're the boss and you've got all the money, you have freedom and you can walk away. So, <coughs> having money we think, brings independence. Yeah. It means you're self-sufficient and you're independent. Mm. And it's that self-sufficiency that doesn't work in the kingdom. Yeah. When we're self-sufficient, we don't need Jesus. Or at least that's what we think. Okay. Mm. Self-sufficiency isn't just the problem around money, either. Everyone who came to Jesus had a need one way or another. Yeah. They were not self-sufficient. They needed him. They needed solutions. They needed miracles. Uh, they needed a saviour. Now there are those, um, excuse me. There are those that need him. Sorry, my dad's just texted me. <laughs> okay. There are those that know that they need him or need something from him, and sometimes get what they want from him, but don't go to the extreme and give up everything to follow him like the disciples did. So there's like this like time, like this sort of scale of like being completely self-sufficient got everything I need, you know, I'm really powerful, I've got people that can do this, that and the other for me, and stuff like that. I've got so much money, I can pay for private healthcare, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And then in the middle, you've got somewhere like, okay, it's all gone wrong, I need Jesus. Mm. It's like, okay, I've got no money, I need Jesus. Amen. And then you've got the extreme where Jesus wants us to go to, mm. of like, give it all up, mm. self-reliance, self-sufficiency, mm. all that independence, and follow him regardless regardless of whether you've got something to sort your problem out or not. Okay? So following Jesus, the come follow me that he invited him, is the complete opposite to self-sufficiency. 
So self-reliance is the opposite to surrender. Yeah, self-reliance right. is the opposite to the surrendered lifestyle. Yeah, self-reliance or reliance on another person or an organisation <coughs> is the opposite to trusting God. The opposite to come follow me. He says, give up everything and follow me. Why? Why do we have to give up everything? Why is he asking that? Because, I don't know, could you imagine right now if Jesus said, right, I want you to give up this. Mm. And it's like, I must admit, if I'm really honest, you know, that verse. And then even the verses in Acts, you know, when they sold everything and they had everything communal. And it's like, sometimes that still makes me feel really uncomfortable. I've been mm. through a journey with money and I think I'm okay. Obviously, I'm open for God to speak to me and, you know, and I want to grow and be more generous and more trusting of him. But sometimes it still makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like, okay, what if God told me to sell my house and then move somewhere? It's like, I'm going to really struggle with that. Because it's not that. You wouldn't let me. Oh, then I could say, God, it's Rob's fault. <laughs> Pass the buck. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Because like holding on to stuff, holding on to power, holding on to people, it gets in the way of following him. So it's good to have those things, but if we hold on to it too tightly and it's not in perspective and we're not prepared to let it go, yeah. it gets in the way of following him. And money, obviously, is a difficult thing to let go of. Time is a difficult thing to let go of. But he knows how to look after us, doesn't he? He knows, you know, you know the other... First, I think, Tim, did you do that one about the lilies of the field? No, you didn't, did you? I'm making that up. You know, like how the birds, yeah. they yeah. get fed, the lilies yeah, are clothed yeah, yeah. and all of that. And it's like, you know, it's a promise. Amen. Okay, we, but we can't fully enjoy the benefits of living in the kingdom if we've got one foot in the camp of self-sufficiency. So he said to the disciples, Amen. when they responded about the camel, so when he said about, you know, it's difficult for the rich, the camel can't go through, um, you know, and they said, but we left everything for you. It's like, you know, what was that? So who can be saved then? And Jesus' response was, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal wow. life. So in this age, so that's now, that's before yeah, we die and yeah. get to heaven. That's like now, he promises. So, so that sounds like a promise. That is a promise. A statement from God that you can't outgive him. A lesson that the young ruler has yet to learn, understand and believe, because first of all, you've got to let go. So everything that we've got, we've got to hold loosely. We've got to let go. So as I said, self-sufficiency is more than just an issue with money. It's anything that takes away dependency on God. So putting it this way, worrying is lack of faith, it's lack of trusting God. And if we're not trusting God, what are we trying to reach out and hold on to when we worry? We will try and put it into our own abilities or somebody else's. We will try and make things happen with or without him because we're not going to wait around for something that might not happen. So it's best to take it into our own hands because that way we can be sure not to be disappointed. So we're in control and we don't have to worry about whether God will show up or not fit with the goods or fix it or whatever so essentially that's what worrying is isn't it when we worry it's different from concern we can be concerned but worry when we worry you know you know that difference and because in your head it's going round and round in circles and you haven't got peace you can be concerned and have peace but you can't worry and have peace so 
what could the sell everything and follow me look like in our real everyday lives for us personally? So please don't think I'm making any judgments on anybody here, but I'm going to share some doubts, right? Some questions and fears that I have had and still have, which at the end of the day, the questions or, you know, the questions that I have, my reliance on him, you know, it sometimes is, if I'm realistic in the question, um, it, you know, it needs to be in a balance. So my journey. Bear in mind, right? Okay. Some of these I don't struggle with, but some I still do. And it's and it's good to go over these things again because there's always another level that you can grow to. So first up, surrendering my life and leading leaving the old simple lifestyle. That was actually quite fun. Or so I thought. Um, clearly I could see the reality of it now, but for me at the time, I had to give up some stuff that Jesus wasn't pleased about and that ultimately wasn't spiritually healthy. Um, believing that God would give me nice things and things that I want, the desires of my heart. That was a really hard one, actually, like trusting the Father heart of God that he would fix things and I didn't need to manipulate things and do things. I, I didn't have to fight for it myself. And, you know, as I say, that's, that's even ongoing. That's an ongoing lesson. <coughs> um, being single, <laughs> that was a big issue for me back in the day, not a problem now, but back in the day, just resting and not fretting and not manipulating or accepting opportunities that weren't from God. Um, tithing and generosity, despite being in debt, logically it doesn't make sense, but the kingdom principles say that it does. And my brain used to say, it's not possible, it won't work, it's not gonna add up, it's dangerous. And then that's that voice, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> shut up, <laughs> okay? Needing healing, okay, continuously believing God that he will come through despite what science says and despite what the length of time that you've been suffering with something says, you know, it says otherwise. Competing in the world of business where a lot of people get ahead by cheating the system. This means you might be behind everyone else as they become more financially successful and have this so-called financial freedom and blah, 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 right? Standing here right now, <laughs> doing this talk, learning and developing a new skill in the public domain, despite feeling unqualified, rubbish communicator, and generally inadequate, and surrendering my timetable, the hours in my day, learning to be realistic and sensible, but yet not being selfish and tight with my time for people, God, and the things that he would like me to do. So surrendering and saying yes to the come follow me is choosing Jesus and seeking the kingdom before and over and above everything else. It's not just money. It's money, it's time, it's connections, yeah. it's relationships, it's our thought processes and everything like that. Okay, so what might it look like for you? What would Jesus saying, come follow me, and it's like, yes, we're following him, but there's, we can follow him in more detail, in more areas. You know, we haven't got it sussed. We haven't got every area of our lives, if we're really honest, completely surrendered, completely trusting God. You know, otherwise, we'd never worry about anything. And I'm pretty sure most of us in this room worry about some sort of stuff. Okay. So what might it look like? So obviously choosing not to worry. Choosing to say, sure, okay, I'll trust you in this, Jesus. Choosing to make difficult decisions and saying no, despite what's on the line what it's going to cost. Giving something up if it gets in the way of us serving Jesus. Paying the right tax, 
and making truthful declarations. Mm -hmm. For some, this is an easy thing to slip into as everybody else is doing it. I know in the world of business, it's like loads of people are doing cash jobs and stuff like that. But saying no to that, despite it being really tempting, is seeking first the kingdom of God, is putting Jesus first. Mm -hmm. um, and doing that sort of thing, despite knowing that the government are probably not doing it that way. And other people in power are not doing it that way, because we've seen that in the news countless times. Tithing, again, back to that one. A tenth of your first fruits, even though you know that the remaining ninth is not enough. It's like, that's not logical, but that's what he asks, isn't it? That is, come follow me. Giving gifts, not just financially, but giving up time. Like, giving time to someone, giving time to something at church or you know, another group giving sacrificially of time and speaking to people, even if it's scary, and praying for them might put your reputation or your pride on the line. You know, that is all part of come follow me, give it up, come follow me. So Jesus said what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Jesus said it was hard, but it's not impossible. Totally not impossible. So the only way to make sure, make possible, Excuse me. I'm looking forward to a cup of tea. <laughs> so the only way to make possible the sure, okay, to Jesus' answer, to the come follow me, is to give it up, everything, absolutely everything. Not keeping back a single thing for yourself, letting him take it all, surrendering everything that you have, everything that you want, and every dream that you have about your future. To him who loves and cares for you the most. Mm. There was, um, there was a, a, a picture that my um, kind of brother-in-law, cousin-in-law, sent me to give to Maisie um, one time. I mean, you've probably seen it, it's on the internet. It's a cartoon picture this time, not computer graphics. And it's like Jesus bending down with this little girl and she's holding this little teddy bear. And he's saying like, you know, give it to me, I want it, and this little girl's holding on to this teddy bear, and then behind his back he's got this massive, massive teddy bear, and she doesn't know it because she can't see it, and it is, you know, I know that's simple and childish, but this, we don't need to overcomplicate this, come follow me, we can make it simple and trust that that's us, you know, we've got whatever things that we're holding on to, whether it's our finances, our trust in people, and the way we do things, and like to be in control, I mean, I'm a bit of a control freak, I like to make things happen, and it's like, now give that up because behind Jesus' back he's got something far, far better. We cannot outgive him ever. Whatever yeah. we sacrifice to him, whatever we do, we cannot outgive him. It might not look like or be what we expect, yeah. but if Jesus says it, it's a truth, isn't it? Yeah. It's not going to change. It's never going to disappear. And he's not a liar. And he's not like a trickster and say, ha ha, I fooled you. You thought you was going to get something good. It's, he's not like that at all. He has always got something bigger and better. So it is safe, it's safe to give up everything and let go of everything that we hold on to as precious. It's totally safe because he cares and loves for us the most. Yeah. But it is a step of faith and it's something, you know, it's a choice that we have to make. He didn't force that young man to do it and he won't force us to do it because that would just be wrong, wouldn't it? But he will never force us to do it. But it's a choice that we have to make on our own. You know, it's a thought that we need to have and it's words that we need to speak. Okay, so he promises us that we won't be in lack. And 
just the more we give up in this world, truly, the more freedom we have. We think it will bring freedom, being in control, think we think it will be freedom, having more time, having more money. We think it is, but it's not. It's not true freedom. Okay, so I just want to just spend a few minutes. Of, oh gosh, I've gone on, haven't I? I'm sorry. Um, so let's just spend a few moments, and let's just let's just. But like Jesus is asking that question. Come follow me. Let's ask him a question back. What's stopping me from truly following you in every area? Holy Spirit, just come and bring revelation to us. Help us to be brave and ask that question. And we give you permission to go anywhere you want in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. What do you want us to do? How can we get more of you? Holy Spirit, would you give us logical steps that we might need to put in place to be able to do this? To fully trust you, to fully let you lead and to fully surrender to you. know that you're not a God without structure and you are safe and you're not foolish and you're not rash and everything you speak or ask to do is stuff that you've previously thought about and you have a plan so Holy Spirit would you show us that plan Lord if there's specific things that we need to do to put into place to get more freedom would you reveal it to us whether that's in our relationships in our workplace in our thought processes in our finances in our habits Amen. and remember he's looking on us right now and loving us he's looking on us right now and he's pleased and he's looking on us and he's got this bright sparkle in his eye because he's got a massive amazing plan for us we thank you that there's always more to have I thank you Jesus that you're not stingy I thank you that we can grow and grow and grow and grow and grow in you and there's always more and I'm sorry for when I think I've got things sussed and I've reached a level. I'm sorry for thinking that. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would remind us that there's always more. There's always more that we can press in for and seek. And there's always more closeness and intimacy that we can have with you, Jesus. There's always more freedom. Holy Spirit, take us on this journey this week. Keep revealing to us anything that we're holding on to that is getting in the way of us living true freedom in your kingdom and coming and following you that's right we love you jesus thank you amen thank you lord